When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, welcome to Rider Rumblings. I'm Murray McCormick, a fill-in for Rob Vanson as the host and uh, the on-air talent, I guess we could say. Joining us to fill in for Rob on this big day, it's my first day being the host, is Britton Gray from uh, CJME, CKOM, The Green Zone, the happy-go-lucky rider, beat writer for the radio station. Uh, welcome to Rider Rumblings. Britton, excited? Happy to be here. Oh, hey. yeah. Finally get the call. <laughs> rider Rumblings. Uh, just before we get digging, just tell us a little bit about about yourself, Britton. What's your what's your what's your background a little bit, and what people get to know you? Well, I'm originally from Regina, born and raised here. Lived outside in Pilot Butte actually for for a lot of it, and went to U of R journalism school. So stuck around Regina pretty much my whole life, and was lucky enough to uh, get a chance to take over as a rider reporter for CJME and CKOM. Been loving it ever since because I get to hang out with you, Murray. Isn't it so much fun? <laughs> it has been he. But uh, that's <laughs> what it's. Pre- it's pretty cool to see some young blood in the old business here and moving up, and you're doing a great job at it. And I, and I think uh, we should we should pump the bit on the blitz. You do a great job on that. That's so your uh, clip package every day from practice, and uh, you're doing a great job. Yeah, just on social media at Green Zone SK on Twitter and Facebook, and yeah, we're putting out videos every day, providing clips of interviews, giving updates on anything that happened at practice, any injuries, and just trying to really uh, give the fans a little bit more than just having to read tweets. A little bit more interactive in that regard. Sure. Speaking of that, may as well just dig right into this one. Uh, you're at the game on Saturday night. I don't. Know, did you see that one coming? <laughs> the Riders beat the Alouettes. I. Handedly, <laughs> I did. I actually on the Green Zone pregame show, I had said that they were probably going to win by double digits. I had predicted thirty to eighteen, so I didn't see it being that big. Yeah. But I just thought this team has bounced back when Cody Fajardo's been quarterback over the past few years. They lose big, they come back and win big, and they often start winning in a roll. I just think that they won't make excuses for it, but that short week, I think, really affected them. I think it did the one day of practice. You have a rookie center about to start his first game. You don't really get a chance to bring him in. And a lot of factors worked against them, so I, I did expect them to bounce back like that. That's funny because I kind of thought the Owls had shown some progress in their game against the Riders. I thought they could come in here and maybe squeeze one out against the Riders. I thought it would be a little tighter. The The part that blew me away, and I know the, the slow first half was – Part, part of the parcel of the Rough Riders, but that third quarter, I don't remember a dominant third quarter like that. Like three touchdowns, and I think the Alouettes had six plays in that whole 15-minute quarter. Just a, a dominant offensive performance by the Riders, and fun to watch. They scored on Ofe, they scored with passes, they scored with Jamal Morrow, uh, Cody Fajardo scored. Like, what did you think of that third quarter? That, that They literally took control of the game, I thought, at that time. 
I was surprised, but you're right. They just took control. They started to run the ball way more, and it felt like yeah. midway through that third quarter, the Alouettes looked almost tired from the way uh, Morrill was running. They were using the short passing game. Everything kind of just worked for the Riders. I, that might have been the most dominant quarter they've had since 2019, since Cody Fajardo became the starter in that yeah. regard, because they came out, took control. After the game, Cody said they simplified the offense. They kept it simple. And it worked. <laughs> I mean, sometimes simple is good. So uh, we'll we'll see how they build off that. But you're right. What they did in that third quarter on offense and defense was just something special. And I think the, when you keep talking about the offensive line, you're like the rest of us, it struggles. I think when you can get an offensive line that's blocking and rolling downhill like that, it kind of hides all the little sort of uh, faults and stuff. And I think that's what happened. They, they gained momentum as an offensive line to bulldoze through the Alouettes. And I thought – that was a big part, and it, it kind of uh, – does it make you feel a little more confident in the offensive line now, or we still got some ways to go before we start uh, saying we don't start writing about the offensive line almost every week? We still got some ways to go, but I think you start building confidence. Like I said Logan Bandy in the first Montreal game had one day of practice before his first CFL start, essentially. As the they get more practice and as Logan Bandy becomes more comfortable in that center position, which is important because you're mm-hmm. calling out where guys are, you're trying to be the – the quarterback of the offensive line, essentially. I think as they build more confidence, as he builds more confidence, this O-line is going to continue to get better. But we still need to see a lot of improvement. Cody Fajardo was, once again, pressured a lot in the Montreal game. There were some throws that were affected by it. Uh, Obviously, Amando Sewell wasn't there. So that's a big loss for Montreal along the defensive line. So we'll see how they continue to build. I think there's a lot of positives to take if you're just looking at the offensive line group, especially with how they ran that football. I think they had to do that too, considering how I think Cody's lost some of his mobility. I think we watch in that game, he's just not as, not the type of guy that could just sort of roll out and explode down the sideline and do things. He doesn't have, he said, doesn't have that explosives. I think, and then he got hit in the knee by uh, what's his name? One of the Simmons hit him in low in the knee in that shot later in the game, and that slowed him down. Like I don't know, I, I'm concerned about that knee. I kind of wonder what we're going to see going through this week and heading into Ottawa. Are you worried about it at all, or am I the only one that's being sort of the the nervous Murray over here on the other side of the screen? <laughs> No, I think you have to be a little bit worried, especially because so much of Cody Fajardo's game is running, escaping pressure. He's he's very good at getting outside and picking up some extra yards with his legs. And I think he didn't even carry the ball once. He had the one yard for a touchdown, yeah. I think, against Montreal. And, and so th- that is something to be worried about because that is just who Cody Fajardo is. That's his game. But with him not able to run the ball, they relied more on Jamal Morrow. They relied more yeah. on Frankie Hickson to take the ball. And they did a great job when given the chance last game. So we'll see. The, the mobility's not there. You want him to be healthy, but it's kind of forcing them to rely more on the running backs to run the ball than call his number. So, uh, and he's he, like you said, he's admitted he's lost some step. He's lost a little mobility having to wear that knee brace. So something to keep an eye on, and we'll see. Hopefully he gets it off soon. Obviously, you never want to see a player injured. You want every player to be at their best. But we'll, we'll, that's going to be something we're going to watch here, and I think all season, because it seems like a hit to that knee can really set it back again. He's he's gone about as much detail as he can describing what's wrong with his knee, other than telling us what's wrong with his knee, which I've always admired, admired uh, Cody's candor when you're talking with him and stuff. And I know it's 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 serious. It's kind of like I kind of understand it. I don't know. I'm not quite sure what it is, but some people say say torn ACLs and you can. I'm not saying it's a torn ACL, but you hurt your knee and you can walk it off. And that's what he did on the game on Saturday. Is he walked it off? 
So maybe you can just keep doing that and keep uh, throwing the balls around like he has and stuff. Because, boy, Keon Schaefer-Baker had himself a game, I think. Don't you think? Isn't he fun to watch? And you and I are there every game a lot. So he's a big guy. And you, he, he, he delivers some blows. Yeah. He, he makes the defender backs pay for it. makes everyone pay for it. But he's fun to watch, isn't he? He is. He's one. Of, he's one of those playmakers, right? He's a guy who takes a four-yard pass and can take it forty-four yards to the house. He he's big. He can run through guys. We see him run around guys. He is a special talent at the receiver position. Which is when they when they drafted him in the later rounds. I don't think they expected him to come out like this. He kind of took the opportunity last year, ran with it. But we're seeing jumping over guys. We're seeing him run through guys. He is just so dynamic. And like you said, just so fun to watch at practice too. He uh, he has few plays there as well. And also, they, they need him to step up with Shaq Evans. Uh, I think Duke Williams is going to be okay. He finished the game kinda, but you know their their big receivers are banged up, and they need a guy like him to step up. And I thought Tevin Jones didn't get used a lot, but he showed some power and some some promise out there. So maybe they have another American that can maybe step up for uh, whatever happens with Duke Williams, which we don't know anything right now, but. I don't want to jump on the Duke bandwagon and say, but <laughs> he looked pretty badly injured when he went off the field, but came back still anyway. So maybe he's got a miraculous, uh, some way of healing. I was surprised he came back because when you watch the replay, it looked like his neck was, was the issue. He rolled yeah. up. The, it you looked very concerning, but there he comes <laughs> early in the third quarter, comes back out of the tunnel, puts his helmet on and takes the field. And I think that's really where Duke Williams when he's not having a good game stats wise, he can shine. I think he is the leader in that group. He comes out, he shows that toughness. The guys feed off that. And he made some key blocks yes. on as the receiver. He pretty much helped get Key and Schaefer, Key and Schaefer Baker on the way to the end zone. He yeah. made a key block there. Him and McKinnis both made some key blocks, which is something that you want to see your receivers do rather than disappear just because you're not having a great game. You're not catching the ball for whatever reason. He went out and did his job the rest of the way. And I, and he did have an impact on that game despite zero catches. Also, notice we both remember doing the the, the post-game media conference that Cody Fajardo mentioned that. He mentioned he didn't have any catches or receptions, that, but Duke did so much blocking that just – and so important. So that's all mm-hmm. part of the game. That's good. And that's that tells you, and you and I both know what type of athlete he is and what type of contributor he is. So good to have Duke. I know we've been pumping their tires a lot, a little bit here. Uh, we have to little air out of it. What do you think didn't go as well for the Riders? Other than it's always the bottom lines of the win, but getting to that win had some, uh, some rough spots, I would say. What did you think? I think there's three main rough patches that you you should look at with this team. One is the special teams again. I don't know if it was just Chandler Worthy is just that, that dynamic and had the Riders number. If there's some concerns there, they they haven't been able to uh, stop the return game in these past two games. So we'll see as, when they don't face a player like Chandler Worthy if they figure, fix that or what goes on there. Uh, penalties. We're going to talk about penalties yeah. again, I'm sure. They, they took 16. They're leading the league in that regard. But this has been a Craig Dickinson, this is a trend. Oh, since he became coach, they're often near the top or leading the league in penalties, but they continue to win. They still yeah. win despite it. I've, I've said on air that I think that there is concern because at some point it feels like eventually the penalties are going to cost you. They gave Montreal their essentially only offensive touchdown of the game was due to penalties because they kept getting mm-hmm. second chances down deep. And you, you have to worry about if that happens in a playoff game, if that gives a team some extra life 
that could lead to it. So that's something to watch. And the offensive lulls continued. Like they had the first quarter touchdown, but after that, the offense disappeared again until halftime. So whatever they're doing at halftime is working. But I, yeah. I think you want to see a first half explosion as well. You need to see this team come out and start fast because if you we saw if you fall behind early, you give up the opening touchdown to Montreal that first game, they kind of pour things on. It makes things really tough. So those are three things that I kind of noticed of that you want to see improvements in a game where they did a lot of things right. Those yeah. are the three glaring things. Well, I got to remind you, Britain, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. So I think it's maybe they've, they've, they've been showing a strong finish. And I think it'd be rather, they'd rather have mm-hmm. us question why they're slow starters than why they're bad finishers. And I think uh, we saw on Monday night's game against the Toronto Winnipeg game, what it means when you have a bad finish, what a heartbreaking moment for that field goal kicker. Yeah. To, everything comes up right in the force beating. Yank. That's, as Rob said mm-hmm. on Twitter, coffin corner convert. <laughs> that was a fun yeah. game to watch. Win- Winnipeg finds a way to win another one. They're just finding ways to continue to roll out wins. Just you've watched you've watched Jamal Morrow and Freddie Hicken, Frankie Hickens Hickson. Sorry, that was a nice stumble. Frank Hickinson had Frank Hickinson Hickson uh, through training camp through all the practice. What, what what do you see they're doing right right now? What's going right for them in that that one game? And do you see that sort of uh, partnership continuing on down the season. I think so. I think what Jamal Morrow did well, and I was really impressed with was he bounced out to the tackles. He, he bounced away from necessarily where he was going. He did a good job finding the holes and then bouncing to them. And I thought that's what opened a lot of stuff up. He wasn't just running straight forward. He, he was making the plays. Frankie Hickson provided a, a good secondary punch. He had a couple great runs. I thought he looked really good in the limited touches he had. And I I think you can continue that as they build more confidence, as Jamal Morrow hopefully no longer has to focus so much on the return game anymore. They made the trade for uh, Mario Alford. And and so I think that's going to help Jamal Morrow with the fact that he no longer, hey, we have a guy who can handle this. You just focus on the running back. You just be our starter. And I think as he builds more confidence, as we see what he can do, and he changes that direction, I think we're going to see a little bit more uh, strong run games. If Jason Moss sticks to it, we know Jason Moss sometimes yeah. likes to get away from the run game, but if we saw him stick to it throughout the second half, it worked. So maybe, maybe he'll do it from for from here on out. Also, you kind of like the way they're making hay against the East Division teams. You know that the season has been kind of East Division loaded on the front part with the big games looking at the back at the back end. But mm-hmm. I think like. Everyone's talking about the. I think what what is the West against the East now? Eleven and one, somewhere in that area, neighborhood, or even higher than that. I think so. I, right, right in there, right in that area. And you know, you've got to win the games. You've got to. You're supposed to win. Like you can have one like maybe Montreal. They just that, everything we've talked about what happened to that first game against Montreal. But I think they've made hay against the East Division teams, and they got an Ottawa Red Blacks team coming in who's shown some promise, but hasn't quite shown the finish yet. So I, I kind of think. They they should be okay against the Redbacks. Do you think that you see something against the Redbacks? Could there be a, as people like to call, a trap game in there for them? That maybe maybe they just sort uh, of riding. But I, I, they they avoid trap games. I don't think that's a a fair assessment. But. Yeah, I mean it, it's always possible, right? Ottawa obviously is hungry for a win. They probably feel like they should have one or two already. So I expect they'll they'll come into uh, Mosaic Stadium. Uh, fired up and ready to go but uh, this this team is really good at home and this team once they start rolling has a habit of uh, winning a lot of games in a row they they tend to uh, rack them off quickly so I just don't know if Ottawa 
can come in and do this because I, I think the Riders still think they have something to prove. I think they came out, did it, but I think that this is a team that, despite what they're saying, they're watching what's happening with the West. They know that the other Western teams continue yeah. to win. BC all of a sudden is undefeated and looking really good. So that's another kind of uh, hurdle you have to overcome at some point. Looks yeah. like the West is going to be wild. So I think the Riders are going to find a way to beat the Red Blacks. But like I said, the Red Blacks are a hungry team. They're probably angry they haven't got a win yet. And I, I think that it's going to be a good game. Yeah. No, I think I'll just go back up again to Saturday. But can't can't avoid what Anthony Lanier did. What a game he had. He had a sack from – there was one I was just watching on the game here where he played defensive end and they moved A.C. Leonard inside. And uh, Anthony Lanier got to pressure on him like – that he's just like he kind of like AC Leonard kind of came out of nowhere a little bit a little bit last year, but not nowhere. But we knew it was. But they seem to find these diamonds in the roughs, like Jonathan Woodard and now Pete Robinson and Lanier. And that that offensive defensive line is good. And Lanier was really a stud on on Saturday. I thought. Absolutely. It's kind of that positionless defense Jason Shivers likes to play. He could kind of move them everywhere. They like these guys who they can use in multiple places, these really athletic guys. And I think Jason Shivers does a good job of playing to guys' strengths. I think he understands what Anthony Lanier is good at, which is rushing the quarterback, and he does it. He just lets him do what he's good at, doesn't try to force him to do anything else. And, and yeah, he was disruptive all game. You're right. Anthony Lanier was was amazing out there for the yeah. riders and he was a real difference maker out there but when you came to pressuring uh trevor harris and that uh, just making things tough for montreal unlike they did the week ago that entire defense is motivated but shout out to him because he 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 had a really great game you also had a good one too and i know what happened it was roland milligan he had those back-to-back plays like that was just stud defense. He smacked that guy, smacked Winicky, and then he comes around and he gets white on the very next play. And it's because they were buried deep in their end zone too, or in, in their territory. So a couple of great plays by Roland Milligan. Kind of a guy where we mentioned a little bit, but they haven't really talked a lot about. Like maybe what do you know about Roland that uh, maybe we should have seen this coming before this before he did this? He's a guy who spent some time in the NFL. He he was with the Colts for a little bit there. That's a very good defense in Minneapolis with Darius Leonard. Uh, knows him. And he, he what I've noticed from him so far is that when he hits, he can hit hard. I've noticed a few hard hits coming from Roland Milligan. Not just this game. He did it uh, a few times now this season. He, he struggled a little bit. I think he's still trying to maybe get used to the CFL game. He was here a little bit last year. Came on at the end of last year and really yeah. impressed uh, the coaching staff. But I think he's going to get better as uh, the season goes on because he's one of those newer guys who has to come in and really step up for some of these departing veterans, to step up for uh, Ed Ganey and Luches Purifoy, who are gone now. And I think, at, once again, as the season goes on, this, it's scary where this defense is going to go yeah. as you see more of these kind of newer people to the CFL don't have a lot of starts, get more experience, get even more used to the speed of the game. And I think he's a guy who's really starting to cu- come around now. Yeah, I think the whole defense is like kind of watching Winnipeg last night. I'm kind of I was trying to compare the two defenses, like you know, as well as you can from TV and stuff. But boy, they're two similar defenses. Strong linebackers, a couple of defensive ends that can really pressure the guys. Good in the interior. The secondary, I think, BC Winnipeg's secondary is a little stronger, but that's still taking time to develop. Um, this is kind of a, an interesting schedule. Like four home games in July. Do you think that does that play into the Riders' hand right now, having this strong home, this heavy old July of home games? 
I, I think it does because, as, as Craig has said before, you kind of take these wins early. You can have them in your back pocket because you look at these home games early. They're against the East early. That back half of the schedule is going to be tough. I think it's – they have five of the last seven games are against Winnipeg, three against Winnipeg, two against Calgary. B, look, BC's looking good. Like, there's a lot of good teams you have yeah, to face be- kind of as you get closer to the middle part slash back half of your schedule. And so I think that this does help them. This does help them get those wins early. It helps you hopefully build off the crowd and kind of fix whatever early season mistakes you're noticing. See what maybe you're weak at. A home crowd can help kind of amplify that and help give you some extra uh, juice during a game to really go out. If you are struggling this area, maybe you do better than you should. And I'm sure the Riders will love to play in front at Mosaic Stadium any chance they get. They like to have every game here. So obviously they're happy to be at home in July, less traveling. And you you pick up those wins because the second half of the schedule, it's going to be tough sledding for the for the Riders as they get some tough teams. The Labor Day, around that part of the Labor Day part of the season is going to be the heavy lifting. It's going to be an aptly named time of the year to go. There's also a lot of back-to-back games in the back part of the season too. Which I think the CFL has done that to create a little more interest. I think I don't I I don't mind back to backs. I'm not keen on them. It's nicer when you when you, it gives you a different storyline to see how they bounce back. But it's kind of there's more back to backs in the second half of the season. So we're going to get to see a lot of the Blue Bombers, the Stamps, and the Lions. It'll be um, I can't remember who the third and fourth one is against, but we'll figure that out. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? What do you think about the uh, the whole CFL when you look at it from your side? I know we, we we're so focused on the Riders right now. Do you kind of look across the West and what do you think of that division? We'll just wrap it up. With that. I mean, the West division is is wild again. Nathan Rourke and what the BC Lions are doing they they look something special this year. It seems everything is going right. They had that tough road trip where they had to travel across the country on a short yeah. week and they still performed really well. So the West division looks good. Bo Levi Mitchell is looking once again. Uh, a little more like his old self. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers continue to win. That defense is still very good, but there's a lot of question marks around the offense. And like I said, they yeah. find ways to win, but they're not dominating like they were last year. Th- this isn't a team that I view as far and away the best team in the CFL as we might have last year. And the East Division, I don't know what's going on there. Like Hamilton <laughs> is having issues that you maybe didn't cool. expect. Ottawa is better, but they still haven't found a way to win. Uh, Toronto, Montreal, like, there's a lot of questions in the Eastern Division teams. And so it's kind of two opposite ends here. The West, who's who's the best? You don't know in the East. Another question, but it's because no one's winning over there right now. Yeah, it's, it is hard to figure out they're so bad. <laughs> or when they, like, they're close, <laughs> but they're so bad. But as I said, like last night, Toronto's loss was just heartbreaking for them. And it was interesting that on the bench stuff going on there too, and Pinball Clemens goes down to mm-hmm. be the uh, the dad to say, "Hey, come on, guys, clean that stuff up." Uh, yeah, I, I think that's about it, Britton. I think I appreciate you being on the show. Now we have a tradition here, where I have to find it. I saved the notes. It's called our outro, and Rob reads it so very well. So I'm going to try to read it very well. So here we go. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a review and a five star ratings. It helps us grow the podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email Rob at rvanstone at postmedia.com and we'll read it on the show. You can also follow me, sorry, also follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Vanstone or Murray, me, the me part, 
at Marie LP or Britain. Where can we find you? Follow on me on Twitter. Yeah. Follow me on Twitter at Britton Gray at B-R-I-T-T-O-N-G-R-A-Y. Not like the Grey Cup, spelt with an A, but follow me on Twitter there. All right. Well, thank you very much again, Britton, for your time on this. We were, uh, I think we covered a lot of topics and uh, it was a lot of fun. And hopefully maybe we'll do this again because Rob doesn't take many days off, <laughs> but he took one off today. And there was a break, no candy pictures, just some football books in the background of my life. Well, thanks again for tuning in. Thanks again, Britton, for... Uh, for taking your time out of your day to do this, and uh, we'll be back. Thank you. Not a problem.